Are you thankful for God's amazing grace this morning? If you would join me in standing, we will continue our song service. Romans chapter 8, verse number 31 says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? It's good to be in the Lord's house today. Brother Marcia, so would you open us in prayer, please? Join me in singing hymn number 243, Victory Jesus.
bless the Lord both now and forevermore. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Stands we sing hymn number 207, Only a Sinner Can Save.
mountain the sun is shining bright my heart is filled with gladness here above the cares of life but i've just come through the valley of trouble fear and pain stand once again we'll sing hymn number 143 blessed assurance Jesus is
be seated. i 
Good to be in the Lord's house today. If you would take your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. <clears throat> should be pretty easy to find because it's at the front of the book, right? Amen. All right, if we found that, let's go ahead and stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. I'll begin reading. You can follow along. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your many blessings to us. We thank you for this time that We've set aside out of the week to come together and worship you. Lord, I pray that as our music has been lifted for your honor and your glory, that we'd, I'd also offer this as a sacrifice unto you. And Lord, I pray that you would take this message today, that you would use it in our lives through the work of the Holy Spirit to do your work in our hearts. Lord, I pray that others' hearts might be as stirred as mine has been this week in preparation of this message, and I pray that you would end up glorified and exalted through it, and that lives would be challenged and hearts would be challenged to put you first and to live for you. Thank you for your many blessings, for the music we've enjoyed today, the gifts that you've given us in the ability to sing, and Lord, all that we do, we want to do to bring glory unto you. We love you. And we ask these things in your blessed and most holy name. And all the people said, Amen, you may be seated. I've often thought in study, I come across verses like Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. And I've often thought, man, I would like to just read that verse and allow the people to sit here for 30 minutes and think to themselves about that verse. But then I thought, the deacons might be calling me in the office and saying, hey, come on, man, you need to do a little more than that to draw your paycheck, right? But I would challenge you this week, clear off some time, 10, 15 minutes, and just think about the weight of what's being said here in this opening verse. In the beginning, what does that entail? And maybe, maybe the problem is we live in such a fast-paced world that we fail to just stop and realize that the words of God that are given to us in this Bible are important words. He's preserved them for us. 
forever. They're established in heaven. That alone ought to carry lots of weight. But then the, if, we're not, if we're not careful, we've heard in the beginning so often that we just blow by it. Oh yeah, in the beginning, and I know, we're going to, days of creation and all that, this is how this is going to go, and, and we blow through it, and okay, I got my Bible reading done, now I'm moving on. When in reality, it'd do us good just to stop and think about, what did that beginning look like? What was it like? Well, none of us know for sure, except from the descriptions that we have here in the Word of God, where he stops and he begins to talk about how he created the world. But in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, my message today is entitled, Sin's Beginning. The truth is that sin did not begin on the earth, and it's not going to end here. It began in heaven and will end in the lake of fire. We begin reading in Genesis and take for granted that is where it all began, in the beginning, right? I mean, if we're not careful, we begin reading, we think, okay, now everything begins. Now, but there was stuff that went on before in the beginning, okay? And so we've got to, and as we read our Bibles and as we become students of the Word of God, we begin to realize these things, and then we begin to put things in place. Like most of us probably don't realize that Genesis is not the oldest book in the Bible, it might do us good to get a chronological Bible. I had a lady recently ask me, Preacher, do you have a chronological Bible that you'd recommend? I said, I've got one. Let me dig it out and show it to you. And so I dug it out, let her take it home, look it over. She said, I had to go order one. I just am interested in the chronological order of the way things happened in the Word of God. And so we begin, if we're not careful, the reading in Genesis and take for granted that that's where it all began. But the truth is, that there was time before God's creation, and that time was in heaven, in heaven. And so as we think about in the beginning, I want us to first start with this thought. It is the pre-existent God, the pre-existent God. That means he existed before creation. He was there before. You say, when did God begin? When did God begin? Well, it's a rough question. When did God begin? He's always been. That's the answer. Now, I'm not a super smart guy. You've realized that through the years. I'm not a super smart guy. And this question baffles me at times. He's always been. How does that happen? Well, see, I've got a little thinker. God is much bigger than this right here. I don't care how hyper smart you may think you are. There's still got to be questions that still begin to make you kind of go, I don't really understand. How could that thing be? But I'll understand it when I see God face to face. I realize that the Bible says that we're saved by faith, and I think that also faith is necessary for us as we read and study the Word of God to be accepting of what we find there and accept it as fact and truth. So the pre-existing God, God has always been. And so... God was before Genesis chapter 1. Matter of fact, I love the way John says it in John chapter 1, in verse number 1 through 3. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. I like the way that uh, the word was is used, because it's past. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And so God and the Word have always been. And when this beginning began to take place here in Genesis chapter 1, they were there. They were already there. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so everything that's been made, Jesus has had His hand all over it. The Word has had His hand all over it. He was there in the beginning with God and the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they created this world as they saw fit. They were already here. Revelations chapter 1 and verse number 8 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, I love the way he writes this, which is and which was and which is to come. He's always been. Oh, let me let you in on another little secret. He's always going to be. When does God end? Or we would say in our terms, when does God die? He doesn't. That's what makes us the winner. Makes us the winner as the child of God because our God triumphs. Our God wins. I've read the book. I see how it ends. I know what happens is all is cast into the lake of fire. and Those who have been found in the Lamb's book of life, they reign forever in heaven with Jesus. We live there forever with him. Now, how's that going to happen? I don't know. I told you that. But it's happened because I, by faith, accept what the Word of God tells me. Amen. So God is described as which is, which was, which is to come. Oh, verse 20, or chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 13. I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. This is really good. This is really good. The first, the first. Oh, I want to be first. I want to go first. What does that mean? We're at the front, right? We're at the, we're at the beginning of the line. We're the first. No, no. When it comes to the first, he's there. Oh, and by the way, he doesn't end there. The first and the last. He's at both ends of the spectrum. The first before beginning of time, at the last, at the end of time as we know it, when it's all absorbed and we're in eternity forevermore, God has always been the first and the last, the beginning and the end, which is, which was, which is to come. Now, some gentlemen in the sound room are going to help me with... uh, a timeline. Now, you know, I, I, I told you last week, I'm preaching a sermon like I never preached before, and so this week I'm doing it again, okay? Because I never use these kind of things. But anyhow, so at the beginning, God is endless. Before the beginning, before the beginning of time, he's the alpha. He is there already in existence. He's there. Bring the next slide, guys. The creation of the angels and the fall of Satan is the first event that happens. We'll go and go into that with our second point. Go ahead and bring the slide. We'll go ahead and just step through all this while we're here. We have the creation of the world in Genesis 1.1, okay? So God's from everlasting. We have the creation of the angels, the fall of Satan. Then we have the creation of the world as we know it. The next slide is the life and death of Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus is born of a virgin, comes to this earth to give his life a ransom for many that men might be saved. Without the propitiation of blood, 
There is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus came. He died on the cross of Calvary that heaven might be our eternal home. And the next slide is the rapture that's going to take place. This is the event that we as children of God are looking forward to. Amen? I'm looking forward to going home. This earth is not my home. I wish we as Christians could really grasp the meaning of what's being said there. Because we want to live as if this earth is all there is. This earth, this sin, all that we can be involved in, in this world is what matters. Listen, it doesn't matter a hill of beans. It's going to pass away. It's going to be dissolved. Praise God. We're looking forward to the rapture. I'm looking forward to the rapture. And it's followed by a seven-year period called the tribulation, which I'm so glad I'm not going to be here for any part of. Then we see the saved. When we come to the end of the tribulation period, we step into the millennial reign of Jesus. We will see at the end of the millennial reign, uh, by the way, at the end of the tribulation, at the end of the millennial reign, there's two major wars that are going to take place. They're talking about, I've, I've been listening on YouTube, and they're talking about how that we might already be in World War III. That's what they're saying. Okay, well, I don't know if it's going to be World War IV or World War V or World War VI, but I'm telling you it's going to be the Great World War at the end of the tribulation period where Jesus comes and he squelches all those who hate him and sets up his millennial reign. And then Satan's going to be loose for a season because he's been bound during the millennial reign. And during that time, he's going to wreak havoc. There'll be another war. And then we're going to find that judgment's going to come. You can read about there in Revelations chapter 20 how the books will be open, and from the books the, the dead will be uh, examined, and those who have found to be lost will be cast into the lake of fire. Uh, so we'll have a judgment, and then we'll have heaven. The unsaved, they're going to be facing at the end, at the judgment, they're going to be facing the fact that the lake of fire is established for Satan and his angels, that death and hell and the grave, praise God, will all be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever and ever. That's how it looks. Praise God. That's how it looks. Now let's just look at our second point. You can leave that up if you want. People may be copying it. Satan began with the angels, or I'm sorry, sin began with the angels, not with man. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17, For by him were all things created that were in heaven and that were in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Great verses to have memorized. Great verses to help us realize it's so much bigger than what we see. It's so much bigger than where we live, okay? Just, just get this. Now he, Jesus, God, before all things, right? That's verse 17. What happened? Well, he created all things. He created all things that are in heaven. First place was in heaven. He created the angels there in heaven. Many of the writers I've read about talk about the fact that he created them with a being and a, a decision-making process. And so uh, they were there. They had the abilities to make decisions. So he created heaven first. Then he made the earth, then he made visible and invisible, he made thrones and dominions and principalities and powers. By the way, if you think that all the war that's going on 
in this world is what we see. Can I just challenge you? It is not so. I believe there's invisible forces in the spirit realm that we don't see, that we don't understand. You know, Flip Wilson kind of had a little bit of it right when he said the devil made me do it. And the fact that there are demons that fight and hinder and want to destroy, just as I believe there's angels here fighting to protect and to encourage the Christian. And so he ends with that verse talking about he created it all himself. And so these angels are spirit beings. They don't have a flesh and blood body. They are spirit beings. In Psalms 104, in verse number 4, it said, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. And so they were designed to accomplish his purposes. They were created to remain immortal. In Luke chapter 20, in verse number 35 through 36, it says, But they which shall be accounted worthy to obtain that world and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage, neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels and are children of God, being the children of the resurrection. So they were created to remain immortal. When we think about them, we've got to understand that there are some characteristics of them. First of all, they're smart. You can find 2 Samuel 14, 17. They're powerful. In Revelations 20, 1 through 2, it says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key, uh, the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand, and he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And so they are powerful. They're not robots. They are not robots. Angels are not robots. God gave them a form of the same free will and thought process that he gave us. And one of the most powerful ones was named Lucifer. Okay? All this is before the creation of the world. The, he created one named Lucifer. And his thought process began to think that this was some form of injustice. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Injustice. Because he could only serve and never be served. Satan, or Lucifer, he thought, man, this isn't right. I'm here to serve God. Who's going to serve me? Please, Christian friend, we've got to realize that we are to walk in humility. And when it comes to the church and it comes to the way we live, we ought to live humble lives. We ought to live to serve one another. And just as this thing was a real catch to Satan, so it can become in the Christian life, if we're not careful, where we think, wait a minute, I've done all this serving. Who's going to serve me? Who's going to wait on me? Who's going to do this for me? Who's going to take care of this for me? When in reality, we shouldn't be worried about any of that. We just need to serve because that's what he wants us as children of God to do is to serve one another, that he might be glorified. Catch that? That he might be glorified. This led to the first rebellion against God, which we recognize as sin it's a rebellion against god it's sin satan leads the or i'm sorry lucifer leads the first rebellion against against god and it's sin sin began inside the heart and the mind of lucifer sin always begins in one of two places i'll guarantee you usually they're melded together and that's the heart and the man of an individual if sin begins if something if something's going to happen, if, if sin's going to evolve, we begin to think to ourselves, well, now, wait a minute. If I would do this, 
You know, and that's how sin begins. We begin to think, or we begin with our heart to say, I'd like to have that. Think of Achan. After they had done the great victory there at Jericho, they go up to Achish, and Achan had seen in Jericho, and he coveted, and he took, and he buried in the midst of his tent the Babylonian garment and the, the gold and so forth. And they go up to this little town called Achish, send a few thousand guys up there, and they get whipped, and they come back. And so uh, they're, God's, they're talking to God, and they're like, what's going on here? How did this thing happen? And God said, there's sin in the camp. Because Achish had brought home the gold and the, the uh, Babylonian garment. And Achish thought, I deserve this. Again, Christian, we need to be careful when we come to the point that we think, I deserve this. I ought to have this. This ought to be me. Others have it. I should be able to have it. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12 through 14, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will set also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. This is what Lucifer was thinking. I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm going to go. I'm going to lead. I'm going to be at the top. I've, he's thought in his heart and his mind, I deserve this acknowledgement. I deserve people to notice me. I deserve this. I deserve this praise of other angels because look who I am. Look at how smart I am. Look at the things that I possess. Look at what's going on here. I'm a very smart individual. I deserve these things. And I'm going to ascend until I'm like the Most High. You know, we've witnessed this in our own era with men who have sought to destroy and kill and conquer. We think of Hitler, Mussolini, some of these others who have thought, I'm going to go about it. I'm going to conquer the world. I'm going to make the world my footstool. I'm going to rule and reign. It's the same ambition and power hunger that Lucifer was under. And he was so ambitious to drive a revolt and to lead others to revolt against God. The Bible says a third of the angels followed him. A third of the angels went with him. Numerous angels now are demons. Check that out. What did sin do? Sin changed Lucifer's name to Satan. Sin changed angels to demons. And an unrelenting war with God. But, hopefully you've read Revelations, right? Revelations 12, 7 through 9. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world. He was cast out into earth and his angels were cast out with him. This right here, 12, 7 through 9 is what happens right there in that preface before the creation of the world. He's led a rebellion. There's war in heaven in, in the sight of God. Michael leads the good angels against the bad angels led by Lucifer, Satan, those demons. And he conquers them and they are then cast from, he, from heaven to the earth. So Satan is exposed in Scripture. 
He's known, as you read through Scripture, he's known as these things. He's known as the hater or the adversary. He's known as the accuser or the slanderer. He's known as the prince of this world, John 14, 30. He controls the world's political and cultural systems, Daniel 10. I think he's doing quite well right now. He is the God of this world. You say, wait a minute, I thought God was over everything. Yeah, but he's relinquished the control right here, right now. Satan is the prince of the power of the air, okay? And so he controls the political and the cultural systems. God, he's known as God of this world. He instigates sin. He is the cause of suffering. He brings death. Anyone thinks they want to sell their soul to the devil and it's going to be all good? Listen, you're buying a lie. Because the truth of the matter is that anybody who would sell their soul to the devil for fame, fortune, or notoriety, or whatever, you fail to acknowledge that there is a life after this, and the life after this is for all of eternity. I was just, I don't even know how I caught it this week. There was a reel that showed up, talked about, I think it was off of another thing I was watching about God on YouTube, and and it, it showed up these people who have sold their soul to the devil, and in interviews they're acknowledging well, I made the deal. I sold, I sold myself. I sold my notoriety. And sure enough, these were very popular individuals who maybe at one time had even looked like they were being raised in good Christian homes, but they came to the point that they made a deal with the devil. The devil's out there to make deals today, but listen, you don't want to deal with him. It's kind of like if there's a loan shark sitting outside here that wants to loan you money, and he only wants to charge you 50% interest due every week, I'll make you a better deal than that, okay? He's out there to, to rob and to steal. Satan is here to rob and to steal. Satan is here to destroy. Satan has nothing good for mankind. He desires to kill all mankind. Why? Because God loves us. God loves us. He cared for us. He created us. In his image, he created us. And Satan wants to ruin and destroy that. Listen, Satan also wants to attack God's people. He wants to ruin our effectiveness of believers. He wants to possess and control actions and attitudes. Satan is sought to destroy God's creation and bring mankind to the brink of ruin and to bring in the garden through deception. So Satan was there at the garden, the creation of the world. And there at the creation of the world, we find Adam and Eve placed in the most perfect environment, and yet they sinned. Why did they sin? Because Satan was there. Satan desired to then destroy what God loves so much. And Adam plunged the entire human race into sin. Eve was ensnared with Satan, and he saw to it that Adam disobeyed God and sinned. And because of that, then we have sin passed upon all mankind. In Romans 5, 19, it says, For as by one man's since disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The resulting impact is that sin nature is woven into the very fiber of our being. You don't have to teach a baby to, to uh, lie. Some of them are little liars. They're not hungry. They don't need change. They just want to be held. And so they cry. They watch kids, they get alone with a toy, and they both want the toy. And the stronger one usually wins by pushing down the other one, taking it away. 
And so sin is built into our, our natural being. The third thing we see is that sin is not an illusion. Sin is not an illusion. It's a reality. You think he's about done. It's really, it's just, you know, it's, it's no big deal. I've, I've watched magic people and do these little tricks on TV. And I, I've watched these. I, I, don't, I, just, I just don't think it's real. I, I just don't think it's real. Can I tell you it's real? Sin is real. Satan is real. Okay? Satan is real. Sin is real. It's not an illusion. It's reality. It's proven over and over. But I'm afraid sometimes, I'm afraid sometimes if we're not careful, that we fall into the little bit of misbelief where we think, well, it's not affecting me so bad. It's not affecting my house. Therefore, I'm not going to worry about it so much. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to allow these things in my home. And I'm going to allow this over here. And I'm, these are just little things. You know, we've got to enjoy this life that we live here. And, uh, you know, and what, what we call that is justification. I'm, I'm justifying myself. I'm saying that it's okay. I don't care what God necessarily says about it, what his thoughts are about it. I'm just saying that I, th- I, I just think that I, I just kind of think, I, I, you kind of get the problem there. I, I just kind of, I think, I think, and these things, and when I think, instead of going by what God says, I'm in trouble. I don't care what part of your life, when you allow I to make the decision rather than God, we're in trouble. Sin is a reality. It's not an illusion. You say, well, what do you mean, preacher? Well, have you thought about thorns on a rose? They weren't there before the curse. How about the fact that everything dies? Nothing's going to live forever. Everything's going to die. It's a curse. God's law discovers it in us. Romans chapter 3 and verse number 20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So you go, well, you know, I, I think, I think, I think, I think. That's okay, that's okay, that's okay. I'm not saying here to be a judge for you. I'm just saying that one day you will stand before the judge. And the judge is going to say, I really don't care what you think. I don't care how you understood it. I put it there in black and white. I intended for you to read it. I intended for you to seek. I gave you the Holy Spirit to enlighten you, to give you understanding. I've given you all that you need to succeed, but you chose not to. Sin is a reality. Sin brings death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So many times, if we're not careful, as we read that verse we kind of begin to get the idea well yeah I'm, everybody's going to die and so now i know why i'm going to die it's because there's sin and sin is in the world and sin is the nature and so my my physical body is going to die but we're talking about a spiritual death we're talking about a death greater than a physical death we're talking about the fact that left alone without jesus christ as our lord and savior this spirit that lives inside of me is bound to die and spend eternity separated from God, and it's going to be in the lake of fire for all of eternity. But God 
through his great mercy, sent his son Jesus, who died on the cross for all mankind, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we don't have to die. Our physical body is going to die. Our spiritual body does not have to die. It all depends upon what we do with Jesus. Listen, when we think about sin, it hurts relationships. Hurts families and marriages and churches. Anytime you find a marriage that's in trouble or anytime you find a family having issues or anytime you find an issue in a church, nine times out of ten you can track it back to the fact that they just, this sin has come in. Sin is somewhere, has allowed it to happen. It's not because they've loved Jesus too much. It's not because they've wanted to walk with God too much. It's because of sin. Sin brings loss. In 1 Corinthians 3.15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Man's work shall suffer loss. Loss of money, loss of sin will take money from you right and left. You know, all you have to do is ask the alcoholic or the person who likes to smoke all the time. And they go, I seem like I don't ever have no money. Man, have you priced booze lately? I haven't. I'm just asking if you have. That's kind of a bad question, wasn't it? Have you bought a carton of cigarettes? I hope not. But money, that's what sin does. It consumes our money, and we wonder why we don't have money to tithe, and we wonder why we don't have money to have stuff. And maybe it's because we're buying lottery tickets, and maybe because we're going to the boats, and maybe because we're spending our money on stupid stuff. Our reputation is lost. I had a pastor friend that was caught at the boats gambling. Of course, they did the right thing. They immediately fired him. But reputation lost. That quick. Reputation lost. Health loss. Relationships lost. Freedom lost. Men that lose, have lost heaven. They were so close to getting saved. Sin was so much more greater. They desired it more than they did heaven. (coughs) I know men and women who have lost the sweet, blessed presence of God. Hope is lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Listen, we need to continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of just visiting with Miss Melissa today, and she was telling me last week she was gone because she was at the baptism of a friend of hers. I remember when that friend came and sat right over here, and I preached that day, and when she left, she said, she was kind of in shock and eyes all big, and she said, i got to find me one of these where I live. She had been raised in an organized religion, And she said, I need this. And she ended up finding one of these. We gave her a place to go. She went, she got saved, and she was baptized last week. Amen? It still works. People still need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Sin brings condemnation. In John chapter 3 and verse number 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds are evil. Condemnation is a legal term representing a verdict rendered and a sentence passed. Sin brings hell, a wasted life, 
a waste of redemption, eternal damnation, pain, torment, with no hope. Jude, verse number 7, says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, about, about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, were set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Sin, torment with no hope. We think about Sodom and Gomorrah and how horrible it must have been, but listen, we're living in it now. It's all around us. The gays are getting stronger and, and more out there, and now we got the trans, and, and the, I heard, listen to someone said, 86 different uh, identifiers. But that's okay. God just says there's two. He created a male and a female. How simple was it? And yet we've got all this, this junk that's being pushed into our minds and pushed into our lives. And the Bible talks about it in Romans how they left the natural use. Men left the natural use of a man or of a woman towards a man. And women did that which was unseemly. Listen, we're living in a day and age where that junk's just pushed on us. Well, what do we do? Well, we don't give up. Amen. We still stand the line. We still read the book. We still pray. We still encourage. We still train. Parents, are you spending time training your children? Husbands, are you leading your wives and your families? I want to do my part as pastor here. I'm going to stand the line. I want to preach to you. I want to give you wisdom. I want to give you hope. I want to give you those things found written in the Lamb's book of life there. I want to give you those things that are important in God's Word. But listen, it can't just stop at the pulpit. It's our responsibility. Our responsibility. Branson, stand up just a minute, handsome kid. Our Branson, Preston, I'm sorry. You're twice as handsome as your brother. <laughs> Branson, who's responsible? Or Branson, good night. <laughs> forgive me, forgive me, please. Okay. Forgive me. Uh, who's responsible for you? Mom and dad's not responsible for you? No. Is it because you're a certain age? No. Because you know that when it comes to God, you're responsible for you. You've reached that age of accountability. Isn't that an amazing thing? Pretty awesome. I couldn't wait till I got to that point until I realized the weight of it all, the weight of it all. So mom and dad, they, they do the best they can, hopefully. They're training you. I, I, they're, they're all right. Okay, well, you know what? You're going to find out. You're going to find out that we don't always get it right, do we, Dad? We don't always get it right. We try. We try. I raised three honorary guys just like you, I know. We try our very best, but there comes a point you'll make a decision. You'll make the choice. Am I going to believe all this? Thank you, Maisie. Am I going to believe all this? Mom and Dad took me to church. I sat on the pews. I sang in the choir. I read the Bible stories. I went to VBS. I went to youth camp. I did all these activities and all these things. But you know what? It comes to a point that you've got to make your own choice. You've got to make your own decision. Is it real? Is it real? Mom and dad lived like it was real. They thought it was real. The preacher, he gets up and hoops and hollers and carries on about it. He believes it's real. I just don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know if it's real. You're going to make a choice. You're going to make a decision. And 
you know, as pastor, I want to do the best I can to prepare you to make a good choice, a good decision. But I'll just let you know, through the years, you know what I've watched? I've watched more go out the door than stay in the door. And first, about 10 years ago, there were books being written. You know, why are we losing our teens? We've always lost teens. We've always lost teens. We've always lost young marrieds. We've always lost middle-agers. We've always lost them. Does that make it right? No, it doesn't. Does that help with the decisions and process? No, it doesn't. But it's the truth. Because people make choices. We make choices off what we know. And if we're not careful, we become to a point where we're walking with God and we're hot and we're excited about the things of God and then we begin to cool down. And it's, uh, you know, it's a little optional. Well, yeah, you know, we, we're, not going, we're not going to go to church today. We're going to, stay, we're going to worship God here. We've got that, you know, that devotion thing that the preacher that, that we signed up for, we got 90 days with Jesus. We can just stay here, bless the Lord. Oh, and by the way, it's, it's online. We can just stay here. We can just, there's so many different churches out there online. We can just stay right here. We can just watch this. Something about being with God's people in God's house, being fed God's word and feeling the power of the Holy Spirit working in our midst. is real. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, I told you, I'm just a pretty simple guy, and there's just nothing more to say is but that sin is real, and this last point is very important. Sin's sure end is perpetual destruction. Sin's sure end is perpetual destruction. So, what I'm saying is, sin is going to come to the point of perpetual destruction. Now, it'd be nice if we could just say, okay, well, what I'm going to look forward to is a spanking, and it's all going to be good. Nope. Perpetual destruction. 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? The judgment's going to come down. Those who are saved are going to step into eternity with our Savior forever in heaven above. Those who are lost will be cast into the lake of fire with death, hell, Satan, the beast, the false prophet. All those are going to be over there. Those who have never accepted Christ. Those who have have not taken that serious who maybe have attended good Baptist churches, who maybe heard good messages, who thought maybe time and again, I ought to go today, I ought to get saved. I ought to ask my mom, how do I get saved? I ought to do this, I ought to do that. But they were full of good intentions, but they never did anything about it. Perpetual destruction. Just as this group's living over here, forever and ever with Jesus in heaven above, and having a wonderful time there, so these will live in perpetual destruction. Where Words have been used like this, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Where the worm dieth not. Heaven or the lake of fire. There's a choice. We know by reading in Luke that there is a chasm set between the two, and those who would want to pass from here to there cannot, and those, I don't know why, who would want to pass from here to there cannot, the chasm is great, 
There is no crossing. When we step into eternity, that is it for all of eternity. Time to choose is now. And then Christian, don't fall asleep and buy the lie where we think, I'm saved now. A little sin here and there. It's no big deal. No one will know. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to hurt my future. It's not going to hurt my kids. It's not going to hurt my wife. It's not going to hurt this. It's not going to hurt that. Don't buy the lie. Who lies? Did I not already identify the great liar? Satan. Does God, would God lie to you? No. God's saying, here it is, right here. Truth. Black and white. I put it in black and white. Because Kevin Metzinger is so simple, he needs it just like that. Choose. Am I going to follow that? Or am I going to follow me? Am I going to follow that? Or am I going to follow my thinking? The choice is ours to make. Lord Jesus, love you. Thank you for your great love for us. Pray to God you would do your work in our lives and our hearts that you might be glorified. We ask these things in your wonderful and most precious name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We'll have a verse of invitation. God spoke to your heart. Encourage you. Come. The altar is open. Whatever your need is today, would you come?
confessed that he'd gotten saved during the week, and we would like to go ahead and baptize him at this time. And so all those in favor of Jay following the Lord in baptism, good hearty amen. Anyone opposed? All right, Jay, head that way. And then we'll need some more music, please. All right, let's stand and we're going to sing hymn 64, Shall We Gather at the River? All right, Jay, you know Christ is your Savior? Yes, sir. You know if you're to die right now, heaven be your eternal home? Yes, sir. Amen. You know this water is not going to save you? All right, good deal. <laughs> 
gives me great pleasure to baptize thee, my brother, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, grace to walk in newness of life. All right, uh, Brother James has our announcements. All right, let's all just stand as we're dismissed. Prayer uh, morning. Keep in mind, the ladies' meeting coming up on October twentieth, seven o'clock. Hatch program is on October twenty-third. Uh, that afternoon will be hatch program in afternoon service. So. Make sure you're here for that. And then we have the Fall Praise Festival out at the Fosters on the 29th, 4.30. There's a sign-up sheet in the back if you're food or if you're not. Fundraiser on the 31st as well to raise money for camp. So we'll have that to keep in mind. There. Uh, Brother Marsha Show, would you just prepare this evening? This morning, please.